This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Everybody, part of the great support is playing for a goal. Second to take. The 93rd minute at Old Trafford. Becker! Yes! yes! He's done it! Fantastic! It's 2-2! And England may still be going to the World Cup automatically! Richards, here's Becker! Grant's waiting in the centre! Grant! Surely! Yes! Yes! That's Fiddler on the bench, they think it's all over! Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio's Euro 2012 podcast. This is podcast number two, coming to you a full 12 days earlier than promised, <laughs> a couple of days ago. That's how reliable we are. Um... Joining me today, we have the um, return of the two newbies, Steve and Jill, and we also have them mixed with an old favourite in Mark Ross, and we'll talk to the guys in a second. But let me give you a quick rundown of what we're going to do today. Um, just a little reminder as well, if you want to talk to us uh, during these um, recording of these podcasts so we can feature you in the next recording, email us radio at homesdale.net and we'll try and include your comments. But, yes, anyway, um, I'll have a quick chat with the guys for five minutes or so in a second. Uh, then we'll give a quick roundup of Euro 2012 as a whole. Uh, then we'll get into the guts of this podcast, which is going to be the review of uh, England's 1-1 draw with France. Um, before we'll finish off by uh, previewing England's match against Sweden. Um, seeing what the guys think we should, where we should go next, really, after, after the performance against France. So I'm going to start with, um, well, talking to a, a, an old friend who I haven't spoken to for a while. It's Mr. Mark Ross. Hello, Mark. Good evening, Chris. Oh, you've said evening. You've immediately given a time to the moment we're recording this podcast. But it's timeless because you can listen to it whenever. Oh, yeah. How, how do you feel okay. about that? Uh, first mistake. 
First mistake, first thing you said it was a mistake, but let's yes. <laughs> let's look at the positives. The, it wasn't an err, was it? So yeah. Anyway, um I've just been meaning to obviously you you know, we haven't we haven't spoken properly in a while. So um I wanted to give beer you some, some beer festival. I don't remember <laughs> much of that at all. Was I there? Um in body. In body, yeah. So um I, I we've had we did a little survey at the end of of last season, um, and I just wanted to make sure we could address this problem on air because, quite rightly, a lot of the listeners were concerned that um, that you might actually have suffered some brain damage at some point. Uh, it was sort of like a recurring theme. Um, can you just please just assure the listeners that it's just how you are? You're, you're all right. We're not we're not some, you know, some kid we're bullying or anything, are you? Uh, would you like to elaborate on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, just a few people might have picked up on a, a certain presenting style at the um, Player of the Year Awards. <laughs> I think we became a little, a little aggressive, aggressive and, upset <laughs> and obsessed. But yeah, well, you know, uh, as presenters, we want to try and get answers, don't we? So you know, it's it's true. It's true. I, it's, I'll, uh, I'll stop. sitting I'll stop. on the fence. Is there no point like you, Chris? You know, fence exactly. sitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit like that. No, I'll stop get in there, things. mate, and you, have to, and you have to say what you want and try and get the info back, even if it's not forthcoming, you know. Yeah, that's fair. It's been, it's been a while since I've spoken to you, so I had to get some meanness out of my system. I'm all right now. Yeah. Anyway, Steve, um, obviously I spoke to you a, a, no more than a couple of days ago when we recorded our last podcast. Um, uh, how have you been in the interim period? Um, I obviously went to a Bavarian beer hall to watch the England-France game. And uh, after several Paulinas, I decided that um, I, I actually decided at that point after the fourth one that we're going to win the European Championships. <laughs> Are you maintaining that now? Now the alcohol level has dropped. Oh yeah, well I mean I already know that the uh, the Sweden game we're going to win it four one. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, you're back. Well, we'll come to your prediction for the France <laughs> game a bit later on. And uh, yeah, so but I mean this is this is your second attempt at a, a whole radio show. Obviously, you've not done a live one yet, but. How do you think it's going so far? Yeah, to be honest, I think it's. Um, I think we all did incredibly well, seeing as it was our first show uh, last. Uh, I was going to say last week, but actually, yeah, just two days ago on Sunday. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, no, I think it went really well. Um, I think it was. Uh, well, from what my friends have told me, then uh, Mikey was very uh, polished with his production. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah. And then, then sucking up, you know, just to make sure. That doesn't sound right. What was he polishing? <laughs> he was Polish. Oh, oh, uh. oh. <laughs> and that uh, that voice you heard there was Mr. Joel Holyoke. Hello, Joel. Hello. Now uh, you were uh, a little bit cross about the, during the England game, which we'll get to in a bit more detail. But um, <laughs> I'm hoping you can um, mediate your your you know fury during the course of this show. But um, have you found your experience on Hove Radio so far? Oh, it's marvellous. I love it. The yeah. banter's good. Um, the behind-the-scenes banter while it's all going on is uh, is good as well, um, with the little private messages and, and pictures yeah. we get up on our screens. <laughs> yeah, those but, pictures uh, were particularly disturbing earlier. <laughs> earlier on, they were. <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not make it an exclusive club that the listeners aren't part of. We're uh, you know we're exactly. we're an open. Oh, hang on, I've just seen a incredibly rude word in the chat there thanks mark um so yeah yeah good stuff joe well listen let's not dwell much longer um not well we'll dwell long enough as it for me to switch to the right screen 
Um, and we're going to do a quick roundup of, of the, uh, well, all the groups as a whole, really. Um, as it stands at the moment, the Group A, which is Russia, Czech Republic, Poland and Greece, they're currently sitting in that order with uh, with Russia would be top with four points. Uh, you'd have and the Czech Republic, who have just beaten Greece 2-1, uh, as we record this. They, will, uh, they are second on three. Uh, Poland would be, if it remains a draw, <laughs> would be third on two points, and Greece bottom on one. Um, that group has been, obviously, that's the, the kind of show, showcase group, if you like, and um, been some interesting games, Steve. Yeah, well, I, I thought I'd just uh, interrupt you there, Chris, to let you know that Russia have just gone 1-0 ahead. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. It's you know, like a, Proves how uh, how sort of off the cuff that we, we sometimes can be. Uh, it was Alan Dazkioff uh, on thirty seven minutes. So there you there go. You go. That, um, extra information for you there. That that I mean that well that changes really is that that sticks Poland down to one point and Russia up to six. So looking very like the Russians are going to qualify strongly out of that group. No real surprise there at all, is it, Joe? No, not really. I mean, the, the Russians are always going to be... Do you, you remember the other night at Turin and said if, if the Poles came out like the Russians, that they would have they would have had half a chance in this game? Well, Russia's just, they've just not let up. From the little that I've just been watching before uh, coming to do this, mm-hmm. um, they, they've just carried on. The Russia have carried on in the same vein. The Czechs just look like they can score virtually at will. Um yeah. Greece, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't see Greece. I just think they're they're not a cohesive unit. The same as the Poles. Um, but the the top two look like they're going to go through now. Um, the Czechs and the Russians. I think they'd be a force for for most people. Mm. Sorry, Steve. Yeah, one of the, uh, the the things I just heard Joe say there was that the uh, the Czechs that they can score at will. You've got to remember as well though that they did get hammered on the opening game for one by Russia. Um, yeah, they've managed to, uh, to pull off a 2-1 victory earlier on this evening. I still don't know if I necessarily see them as a, um, a high-scoring team yet. But, but my, my point was that I, I think throughout this championship, whoever comes out and, can, and just takes a completely attackive, uh, an attacking policy will generally win the game. Unless you're really unlucky like Holland the other night, which is well, not really unlucky. Well, to be fair, Holland the other night... Um, had pretty much, I think it was about 90% of the shots throughout the game and did nothing with it. And as everyone knows, and as we say um, at Palace all the time, it's, it's great to, uh, to create chances, but unless you're scoring them, it doesn't matter. Exactly. I have to say, uh, I think the Russians are a very dangerous team. I think um, they're going to be in with a shout. I, I fancy them. I, did, I had a little wager as a, an outside bet on them for the tournament. And... Um, you know, I think they're showing uh, their metal. But uh, what is interesting is that all their players are homegrown, I think. So, you know, they're not all playing all over Europe. They're basically playing in in uh, the Russian League, which uh, I suppose says that the Russian League is quite a good standard. Yeah, no, anyone, I was going to so? say, actually, Mike, we, we touched on that in the, in the podcast that you haven't downloaded and listened to yet. Um, mm. Well, I mentioned myself that the, the, the Russian league has clearly become a lot stronger than people will give it credit for. And I think, obviously, it's, you don't think of... I mean, I know uh, Dino Kiev have got some uh, something of a reputation, but, but I mean, the actual overall quality of that league, uh, you know, it, 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 they must really have picked up considerably. And there's a lot of money in, in, over in Russia as well that people kind of forget. Um, well, Kiev uh, is the Ukrainians, isn't it? So. 
But the oh, Rasmus yeah, is good all, point. Uh, Sorry, yeah, is all, yeah. Is all, well, is all well, full of like uh, Zenit's species, <laughs> CSK, and those yeah, sort of well, yeah, in uh, all regularly in the uh, uh, European Champions League, aren't they? So, Joe, mm. sorry, you had a point about Arshavin you wanted to mention. Yeah, no, I just, I just, he seems to have carried on in the same vein. I think if he fancies it, I think Arsenal can now see what they should have had, you know, in, a, in that kind of player. And I fancy if he, if he fancies it, and he seems to be, he, he makes their team tick. I think, uh, I think they'll, I think they'll do okay. I really do. You know, they look very, very strong on their own plate, you know, on their own patch. Okay, guys. I think well, it'll be a force for anyone. Well, that's Group A. Um, and again, I think no no huge surprise that that it'll probably be end up being Russia and, and the Czechs who get out of that group. But certainly a, a, some su- surprise in in um, in the way Russia have started. I was certainly shocked. And other than maybe Mark, who's, who's put himself a bet. But obviously you described it as an outside bet, Mark. So I guess even you're quite, quite surprised. But let's move on to, to Group B. Uh, obviously, the games for those are played tomorrow. Is recording this, but um, but what's been played so far was uh, Holland nil, Denmark one, and Portugal nil, Germany one, which we talked about in our last podcast. Um, but as it stands, uh, Denmark joint top of the group with Germany on three points, and obviously Netherlands and Portugal got nothing sitting at the bottom there. Um, all I really wanted to mention on that group, guys, and I, we touched on it in the last one, but was. Well, so the the Netherlands really do tend to struggle in when it comes to a competitive tournament. Um, I, I, well, certainly, there's the was it eighty eight? Was it when Van Basten was kind of at his his absolute best? I think was the last time they did anything particularly impressive. But um, anyway, Steve, on on that subject, really. Yeah, I mean, I think it was um, a surprise for most people, being that Holland were finalists in the uh, the World Cup only two years ago. Uh, for Denmark to have uh, soaked up again, like I said, it was pretty much ninety percent of the shots were from Holland last time around, uh, and Denmark managed to soak it up and they scored the uh, the important goal. I would su- suggest that that Denmark will struggle to get out the the, the group, even though they've already got three points. I think they're playing Portugal next uh, tomorrow, and I think they're going to find that incredibly difficult. As it is, then uh, if Portugal managed to utilise Ronaldo a lot better then I think we could see uh, Portugal end up absolutely dominating Denmark tomorrow. Um, I think, Joe, uh, uh, are you, uh, you, you, what was yeah. your opinions on that? No, I completely agree with you. I, I think that, um, Denmark have got the points, the, all the points they're going to get. I think now that, uh, well, I mean, the big boys have got to come out and they've got to, they've basically got to go for it. And uh, I don't think Denmark are going to, I think they'll be swept aside. And again, like like, we, like you just said and what I said the other night, I think once Portugal decide that they've got one of the best players in the world and they want to give him the ball, I think uh, I think the, the Portuguese, I think they've got a huge say in this group. I mean, as they're sitting at the bottom at the moment, only on goal difference. But I still think, uh, I think Germany and Portugal will go through from this group. I stand to be corrected. Well, Mark, obviously you've you've yeah. weren't involved in the conversation from from the other day, but um, obviously we, we we sort of expressed that we weren't really that surprised that the Danes did as well as they did against the Netherlands. But do you do you see it the same way as as Joe and Steve that that's probably all Denmark will do? No, not really. I think um, they're in pole positions purely because um, the way the you know the two fixtures so far have have panned out, which is they've been you know both victories no draws so uh i think you only i think you'll only need four points to get out of that group 
And um, t- I mean, I know they're taking on Portugal, but you've got to remember Denmark finished above Portugal in qualification for their group. And I think in in um, Christian Eriksen, they probably got one of the best midfield players in 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 the tournament. So I, I still fancy Denmark to sneak in. I think the Netherlands are the team that are going to falter, and I think it will probably be Germany with uh, it'll be between Denmark and Portugal to go through. But I think four points will get get a team through in Group B. Okay, mate. Well, I totally agree with you about Christian Eriksen, and I think he's he, he's the catalyst for anything that Denmark could do. But Steve wants to wants to chip in and disagree with you a bit there. Yeah, to be honest, um, Mark, I mean, the way that I see it, you've got to remember Portugal um, are the team that knocked us out of the, uh, I think it was the, the 2004 European Championships, the 2006 World Cup. Um, they're, they're no dummies. They've got one of the best players in the world in Ronaldo. They're um, incredibly fluid uh, moving forward. Uh, at times, they, uh, they were actually better than Germany the other night, even though Germany ended up sort of going on to dominate and to win the game. Uh, the other thing that I would say is that if you uh, you look at the, the, the following features, Germany uh, are going to get at least six points out of the group. I've got no doubts on that. They play uh, Holland next, and I think they'll beat Holland. Um, you then have the fact that you've got um, Denmark versus Portugal. I expect Portugal to win that. Um, so it could really shape up being that six points will uh, will get you through the group rather than four. I think six, six will win the group, but I think four will, will, will get you through. I think... Um... And uh, I think it's going to be between Portugal and Denmark for second place. That's my my prediction. I think the Netherlands are they're in disarray because I, I read today that there was infighting and so forth. And I think what the trouble with the, the Dutch is they've got so many good players, but they can't accommodate them all. You know, and you know you've got like Guntelaar, top scorer in the Bundesliga, sitting on the bench. He'd walk into any team probably in in the Euro Championships, and uh, and they've got a fantastic midfield. And you know, there's people who probably feel they should be playing and aren't playing. And uh, you know, and I think that's they've got so many good players mm. that I think that, that you know it's hard for the manager to keep them. I think it's Van Marwijk, isn't it? Who's yeah, boss, right. to, to keep to keep them all happy. And I think that's part of the problem. They've got a lot of egos there and when you've got sort of uh Schneider um uh De Jong uh, uh so you got Van Persie you got see, yeah, yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. yeah you got a like a, a midfield a really really strong midfield I mean even Van der Vaart's not really getting a look in at the moment so yeah. um, um know, that may change for the next game but. no it's, it's a fair point you make Mark and I have to say it, I do I think Denmark have probably got another surprise in them myself as well but that's interesting we've sort of divided into two little groups there but but fun stuff but I'm going to move us on to group C so we can get get moving motoring and get to reviewing the England game which is where I think we're going to get most of the uh, the discussion going but obviously group C is currently topped by Croatia with uh, Italy and Spain uh, on the one point and, and Republic of Ireland on none. Um, no major surprise to see Ireland at the bottom for me. I, I don't really fancy them to get a point. Um, but uh, and, and obviously the big game between Italy and Spain. Well, Alex went into some considerable detail about that yesterday. Uh, yesterday, Sunday. And um, yeah, so, so we had some disagreement on whether or not it was a typical Italian performance. But um, other, than, other than that, I think really that, that group, it's, it's between the three teams is is going to be a really interesting uh, situation. I fancy, obviously, as I said, Italy and Spain to to both beat Republic of Ireland. So it's really it's going to be how how the two get on against Croatia that makes all the difference in that group. 
for me. But um, Steve. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, it's for, for me personally, Group C at the moment showing a, a false image of, of where the teams are likely to end up uh, by the end of the group stages. I think, obviously, I don't think anyone expected Republic of Ireland to beat Croatia, um, other than perhaps some, some very pissed up Irish people, I don't know. But when you looked further in the group, uh, Italy had a very accomplished performance against Spain. Uh, they did everything that they needed to do from the game, and uh, they got the point that they would have wanted against the, uh, the world champions. You've now got a situation where um, I imagine both Italy and Spain will beat Croatia. And I think uh, everyone will beat the Republic of Ireland. I think they're going to be the whipping boys of Group C. Uh, hopefully they can, they can prove us wrong. It'd be nice to see uh, the Irish get through, but it's not looking likely. Um, I think it's... Uh, Joe, you were uh, uh, wanting to, uh, to disagree on that, weren't you? No, 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 no. I was just, uh, just wanted to bring something uh, into the conversation. Um that not a lot of us thought would happen and the Irish fans have been involved in trouble and not the England fans so far mm. um, that was a, a bit of a surprise to me I mean I but if you listen to what it was on the news um, they were pretty much saying that they were attacked but you know it was still uh, I'm still really pleased that uh, you know that, that, that it's not you know it's not us and someone else yeah and that's a fair point joe my, my only observation of it at the moment is because of the the panorama program that, that went like, went out before the before the tournament there's suddenly that little bit of focus on and i don't i think what's going on is probably not that dissimilar to what goes on at every tournament um you know but but there just happens to be this time a little bit that media focus and anyone who sort of will tell you when you hark back to the days where, where hooliganism was rife it, a lot of it came from the attention that was on it in the media and we're getting a little bit into that situation again it kind of fuels its own fire in my view but um i mean on on that subject i mean we don't need to hang hang around too much more on group c but uh on, on that subject steve yeah i mean i i Thing I actually disagree with you there, actually, Chris. I mean, if mm. you look at it, '96, uh, there was very little crowd trouble. Uh, that was in England for the uh, the '96 European Championships. But um, yeah. based, on, sorry, Steve, but based on based on what? You, you, that, that my point is, you're you talk about very little crowd trouble, but it's very little reported crowd trouble. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the the, the setting could be that, but then we're in an age of uh, of mass media as well, Chris. I think mm. you know, then it may not have been reported, but I think if there had been a lot of crowd trouble at uh, England '96, then I think you would have heard about it. I think the same thing. Barely an internet in '96, was there? But anyway, I was a little, I was a little child. That was you weren't even, you weren't even out of nappies. Anyway. I was ten years old. I better <laughs> have been out. Of <laughs> I mean, you weren't even out. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, I was twenty. Oh my god! So that makes what? me older than all you lot, and I'm allowed oh, to talk now. You were now. thirty-eight, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I was ninety-four. <laughs> uh, just, just, a... just one more thing on this Sorry. group C. As the table stands, Cro uh, from one to four, Croatia, Italy, Spain, Ireland. I want to be controversial and say that that is the way it will finish. My word. Well, that will be a, a shock if that's what happens. Um, but let's let's get into England's group. Um, well, uh, as we move away from the group of death, I don't know what to call this group, but um, Ukraine certainly. Um, did did as the hosts often do and raise their game and and Shevchenko what what a story it was there really um obviously this game hadn't happened uh with our last podcast so bit of a bit of a chance to sort of focus on that really um well Mark I'll start with you you've been quiet for a while um you see the the Ukraine Sweden game 
Did indeed, yeah. I was quite impressed by the Ukraine myself and rather disappointed with the Swedes. Mm. That was my sort of overall sort of opinion. Another thing, yeah, I think um, with, with, with Ukraine, you kind of, it's is sort of the old sort of saying is, you, you know, if they turn up, they are a de- half-decent team. And Shevchenko, I mean, he's 35 now and he was kind of rolling back the years, if you like. And um, it, two cracking goals. And when he's on fire, uh, you know, they seem to sort of, you know, uh, do the business. And I think... Were they semi-finalists last Euros Championships? Uh, I now. I think so. Were they? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> I forgot to actually unmute my. But mic. I think uh, that they've, they've got some. They've got some uh, some good players there, and they've. Uh, I don't know. They, you know, I suppose. I was surprised by how easy they rolled Sweden over, and I don't know whether Sweden were just having an off day or Ukraine was sort of like playing at home and you know they were sort of up for it as it were but uh it's going to be interesting to see how how um the rest of the you know how ukraine how it develops this group you know because i think ukraine are like are going to be ultimately the sort of the team that will decide whether england or france or both go through or i don't think i don't i don't don't think sweden are gonna um going to you know sort of have much say in it to be honest well the only thing i'll say about ukraine is um uh, shevchenko is just he's got such a, a fantastic football brain he's doing what not a lot of people do uh, as center forwards and he attacks the near post both his goals he attacked the near post still took scored two cracking goals um and there'll be a game for anyone they really will. I'll tell you what, if Ukraine played last night, like they did last night against France, they'll turn France over. And I can see how struggling with them as well. You know, on their own patch, you've got the, the huge fan base, you've got the expectation, they've got the weight. And the other thing, apart from like the poles and uh, uh, sort of freezing, the, the, the Ukraine are, are taking it all on and, they, and, and they're embracing it, and they seem to be, they, they definitely seem to be working as a, as a good unit, and, uh, and they look powerful. And, and the thing is, when you've got someone like Shevchenko, he, he's on his game, you know, and he's got straight into it, absolutely. First game, bang, two goals, and it's going to be a nightmare for anyone. And that's the thing, if you don't mark him, Steve... Yeah, to be honest, um, yeah, Chevy was brilliant, wasn't he? I mean, there's, there's, there's no debating that. Um, he, as he said, he attacked the near post. He did brilliantly. The one thing I'd, I'd say is, I think the next round of games is is going to really decide England's group. If England beat Sweden and uh, and like you said, the Ukraine do turn over France, then I think we'll end up seeing a situation where England will end up struggling because they'll end up just needing a point out of the Ukraine, and I think they'll find it hard to do. Um, I think England needs to be going for the win all the way through. Uh, uh, point point well made, Steve. Obviously, we're going to move on to, from this now and talk about the, Eng- the England game in a bit more detail. Uh, but before I do, obviously, just to sort of round that off, I, I think Steve's absolutely right when he says the next round of matches is critical. But for me, what what it kind of shows is with, with Ukraine winning the way they did, is it, it really shows the importance of getting off to a good start because they're in an, an incredibly strong position now at the top of that group. It, Although they're not the strongest team, they have got you know the home advantage, if you like, and and that you know with the support behind them, 
gives them that extra edge. And I, I think it's really it's really put the group in uh, an interesting position. But we are going to move on um, and stop talking Sorry, about. Sorry, it groups. wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, Ukraine who got the semis. It was Russia who got to the semis last. Yeah, yeah. Last um, time Ukraine, Ukraine weren't even in it last. No, Croatia, Croatia got to the quarters. But, but anyway, anyway, let's let's move that on. Just before we before we go into the review, just another quick uh, thank you for every single person who's, who's donated money to us so far to help with our running right. costs. Um, really appreciated. Uh, if you if you do want to donate yourselves, it's wholeradio.net forward slash donate. Anything's appreciated, and you know, although although it's not covered everything we're going to spend, it's it's certainly helped a huge amount. Um, and similarly, if you want to um, join our Sun Dream Team competition, if you already have a team uh, in in the Sun's Dream Team thing, uh, a five pound entry will get you uh, into our league, and it's a winner takes all wholeradio.net forward slash fantasy <clears throat> excuse me right so england versus france 1-1 was the result in that game as i alluded to earlier on uh interesting game uh possession probably slightly dominated by france or certainly in the first half um I'm, well unfortunately i had to listen to the first half from a car in a uh, flooded mo- on a flooded motorway but got home for the second half, and um, I thought the second half was very, very interesting. But I'm not going to dwell too much myself. I'm going to leave the guys to sort of chew the gut to this. But I'll start by asking you, Joe, if 1-1 was a fair reflection on the game, if you thought. Uh, oh, so what do we do? We, we, Their best player, or one of their best players, has three shots from 30 yards, and they're supposed to be a threat. Apart from their goal, fantastic goal as it was, uh, I think, like Hart said, if he could have seen it, he'd have saved it. But... He didn't see it, and he didn't save it. So, um, really made up that Les got scored. Um, like I said the other day, him and John Terry at the back, I think they're a really, really good partnership. And uh, and Les got will learn definitely, definitely off of Terry. Um, you can you can see that the position he took up, that that was a Terry position almost. That that header was Terry. It was in on it right in front of the goalkeeper. That's the thing when you've got. Bit guys that want to get in there. I mean, you only got to look at Lescott's, look at Lescott and know that he is gonna, he's gonna smash you. You come for it, you're gonna get hurt. And he didn't fancy it to keep up. Their back four didn't fancy it. Um, I mean, where do I start on this? On this? Uh, oh, ribbery. Oh, I said tonight again last time. If he he will dive, he will cheat. He just. He doesn't need to do that. I mean, apparently he's a good player. Never really fancied him as a player, but but there you go. Um, Steve, I can't I can't get inside my head why he has to cheat and dive and and act like a kid the way he does. To be honest, um, as as much as we've been in trying to uh, encourage debates, um, unfortunately on on this point, I'm going to have to completely agree with you. Ribery uh, was spent the entire game uh, diving on the floor. Uh, holding his face when he's, uh, his ankle had apparently been tapped. I don't know what that was about. Um, me, I'll it, touch me telly. Um, there was, well, it wasn't just that, though, Joe. I mean, the, the other thing he was doing, and did it an awful lot in, in the game, was, uh, was, was little uh, taps on the ankle, little cynical taps. And there wasn't a single yellow card given to a single French player that game. And actually, every single one of them was doing the little, uh, little taps on the back of the ankle. Um, I think it was appalling. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I mean, I, I fancy they, they, one of their players could have stabbed one of ours and he wouldn't have got a card for it. Um, I just, the, the referee, what was going on? Is this, a, is this a Platini thing? Has he had a swerve past him and had a little chat in the tunnel? Said, remember your referee could be going to the World Cup in a couple of years. 
and that was it. That's us done. I think one of the, uh, the problems as well, Joe, was when you, when you looked at it, then you had situations where we were starting to to move through them. And obviously we had Milner's chance, which seeing as the guy's left-footed, I can't believe he missed that. I mean, I was singing his praises the uh, the previous podcast and he's, uh, he's just sewn me up an absolute kipper missing that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think generally we did okay. Um, I think it was, uh, if, you, if you offered me one each before the game, I would have bitten your hand off for it because France were the informed team going in. But I just think they really let themselves down. Um, I don't think that they, uh, they had any real attacking prowess. Yes, Nazari scored a brilliant goal. But I think they, uh, we hung back a little bit after the goal, but they didn't exactly go and attack the game either. What do you, what do you reckon on that, Mark? Well, I thought, basically, I mean, I don't want to go into the refereeing situation because it's been, you know, it's been diluted on in the papers and on the TV uh, already. But um, I think it was, a, it was a solid platform. Uh, it was a good way to start a tournament. Uh, you know, a difficult opposition on paper. Um, they obviously aren't as good as um, everyone was making out, or we certainly didn't, you know, uh, let them play uh to their full capabilities anyway not not um considering the hype before the game and and i thought that um the defense was 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 solid and looked comfortable and i don't think you know nasri's goal was well taken i wouldn't put any particular blame on heart um uh i just think that um that the defense uh, and the midfield were sort of like too close together and they didn't move out and he had too much time really and and it was a good finish and it was a good goal but I, th- I don't think it, they I mean on paper they had a lot more corners they had more possession they had more shots on target but you know I think uh, that from an England perspective that it was it was a positive start to a tournament um, and I think that it's definitely um, something on which we can sort of build on. I don't think there's any any doubt that there's a lot of positives to be taken from it, more positives and negatives, to be quite honest. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I certainly agree with you there, Mark. I'm just going to go uh, back to the, the Milner incident. Um, it, it managed to, uh, to break, break beautifully. It was an absolutely fantastic fence-splitting pass. It managed to round the keeper accomplishedly. He, uh, he, he then seemed to slide on the grass and... You know, for, for a left-footed player, he's got to hit the target from there. Joe, I know you've got some uh, some strong opinions on Milner. What, what did you think about it? I oh, schoolboy, wasn't he? Absolute schoolboy miss. Um, every single person. It, oh, I, I don't generally read the Sun newspaper, um, but he scored five out of ten, um, along with Chamberlain, which I thought was harsh because when he got it, he was so direct, he scared the life out of him. Um, but I, 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 he. he Milner got a, a good cross in in the second half, right-footed over everyone. Great cross. The the other bit of danger near the end, he got Welbeck in, um, and again Welbeck. It was a good cross, low to the to the near post. Welbeck just a fraction away from it could have been, you know, dangerous. But apart from that, he just looks like a lazy Chris Waddle. See, he looks lazier than Chris Waddle, and Chris Waddle was just almost laying down. I can't, I don't get it. If 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 we're going to get three crosses out of him per game, then I'd rather I'd rather we we get Carroll in there and we get someone that wants to cross. I, I really do think that the the aerial presence now of uh, of 
we've not got enough aerial presence. And I think now you, a lot of people are seeing now that the the, the centre backs, these foreign centre backs, they don't fancy it. And I think we, I think if we don't get him on in the next game, I think we'd be missing a trick. What do you reckon? Well, I think um, for me, I was going to bring this up in in the preview of the Sweden game, but as we're talking about Milner now. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, I think that he's not playing in the right position and uh, in international football you can't really get away with with two central midfield players so when you've got um, Parker playing um, alongside um, uh, Gerard. Gerard in midfield obviously that's two central midfield players usually up against three central midfield players um, in uh, with most other other teams across the world, not just in Europe, what I would do is is bring Milner in from the wing, uh, uh, put Gerard behind the forward, and stick Young out on the wing. Instead of playing Young behind Welbeck, I'd still keep Welbeck Welbeck playing for the uh, Sweden game because I thought he showed a lot of promise and he tracked back well. And Chamberlain on one side. Young on the other is going to make more of a threat. And Mil- Milner is more of a holding player. And rather than stick him out on the wing, most of his crosses were poor. His shooting was poor. I'd just bring him in and I'd, I'd make the midfield a bit more solid and have three of them up there, give Gerard the license to roam and, and keep the wide men like literally wide and play a little bit how Italy played with their 3-5-2 and, and play five across midfield and have Chamberlain and Young using the flanks. And and Gerard supporting Welbeck, and that's how I set up for for the. I wouldn't change the personnel. I just changed the actual way the team was set up. I don't know if any of you guys agree with me. I'm I'm going to break in there. For, for for me personally, I was surprised not to see Carroll playing um, in the game. I actually wanted to see Carroll playing because I think it is the sort of thing that Milner, when he does swing in across, that's exactly when you want Carroll in for it because he's one of the. Uh, the few out of the, uh, the the strikers that we've got that can head a ball and attack a ball very, very well in the air. Um, I did feel a little bit that um, had we have had Carroll playing, I mean, I, I still don't necessarily see t- uh, what Young actually necessarily brings into the side. For me personally, he, uh, what he did do was a, uh, a, a very nice, uh, my opinion, dive for the free kick that Lescott um, got the goal from. And... Uh, other than that, I didn't actually see an awful lot from Young. I'm sure I'll be disagreed with, but uh, Joe, over to you. Yeah, no, just just getting back to you saying about Milner. Now the thing is, 
if if you play Carol, right, Carol and Steve Gerrard play together, it again, I, I don't want to hark on to this Liverpool connection all the time, but if you watch when Downing doesn't cross, right, which he doesn't for Liverpool, Gerrard does. And I think if you take uh, take uh, uh, Milner out and if you sit Gerrard anywhere behind that, that uh, the, the front two, I think he will feed. He's, he's able to feed, and he probably is the best, the best crosser, or the, the, he's the best ball passer in the side, without a doubt. Um, so, Joe, would you do what I said? Would you like bring Milner in, play Milner alongside Parker, and play um, uh, Gerard in more advanced role? Whoever plays up front, whether he plays up front with Carroll or plays up front with Welbeck, and then use use some pace down the wing. Yeah, because I don't think I don't think I don't think Milner or Downing are good enough crossers of the ball to be worthy of a position on the wing. I don't think I think you might as well go through the middle, have a strong central partnership, use the wide men to cut in and 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 feed Welbeck and Gerard just on the, on the edge really, just picking up the pieces or feeding off of Welbeck because Welbeck does hold he's a big strong lad and he holds the ball up well and I think you know someone like Gerard who reads the game really well, gets around the pitch really well and can shoot from distance would be, um, you know, would, would work well with either um, his team, club teammate, Carol or Welbeck, you know, uh, both I think would, would work well with Gerard. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd bring uh, Milner in without a doubt, straight into the changing room. Um, I, I, if, yeah, but who, who, yeah, but who is there? They're, they're injured. There's Barry is injured. Lampard's injured. There isn't. You know, he's saying you'd play Henderson ahead of Milner. It's like no, I wouldn't. I'd play. I'd play Walcott ahead of of those. If we're going to play three five two, then we can have. We can, or if we go four four two, we can still have uh, Gerard. And uh, Parker in the centre, you can have actually actually Young out on the on the left, backed up with Cole coming up on the left hand side. You can have um, pace with with uh, uh, Walcott going forward, and then overlapping that, you've got Glenn Johnson on the right hand side. This is what I was saying about the other day. We looked so dangerous because we were so fast. Absolutely. When when Chamberlain got the ball, what did they do? That's to ankle. That's ankle tap him. Any time we got the ball and we were going at pace, it was ankle taps. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, we, pace, we just he's got he's got pace though, hasn't he? Uh, Ashley Young, and I think his pace would be better on the wing than through the middle. Yeah, but we've got pace through the whole team. That's what I'm saying. But but, but I, I I would take Milner out. He, he just looks like an old dog. Take him out. Just send him home. He, <laughs> he should be going home with that referee. By the way, he's a disgrace. I'm going to uh, I'm going to break in a second there. I completely disagree with you about sending Milner home. Uh, I mean, I think I did it by text message with you uh, last night as well. For me, the thing you've got to uh, you've got to remember as well is uh, you're talking about the uh, the Stephen Gerrard, um, uh, Andy Crowell sort of connection, Liverpool connection. But what you're forgetting as well is that Milner used to provide a, a huge amount of balls across the uh, the box and and also crosses in for, uh, for Carroll at Newcastle. I think the uh, the pair of them would actually suit each other very, very well if Carroll gets a game. Uh, for me, obviously, you've got to remember the other thing is that you've got Wayne Rooney coming in at the Crane game, one, one would imagine. So uh, it's going to change up the uh, the teams again. Do take on board what you're saying, that actually maybe it's an idea to keep the personnel as it is. Um, but for me, a little bit, what we saw in, in the game itself was the fact that, you know, as you said before, we have got a lot of pace running through the side. 
but I think at times we looked a little bit unadventurous. And I certainly on the at the Homestead Forum, a lot of people what people were saying was it does end up sort of disrupting the flow of the team by playing two defensive midfielders. And I think, you know, when we started to do that, we did end up sitting back. We did end up inviting France back onto us. I mean, uh, Mark, what do you think of that? Yeah, well, I, I'm, yeah, I agree with you more than I do with Gel, to be honest, because um, although we have got pace, we, you, you can't play all the young, you can't play, I don't know how you can accommodate young Chamberlain and then Walcott in the same team and then defend with any with any uh, solidarity because you know just two holding midfield players and then Gerard is isn't going to isn't going to be enough i mean Johnson likes to go forward and the only reason Johnson was able to get forward was because Milner did a lot of covering for Johnson when he when he did go forward whereas Chamberlain didn't do as much for Cole and Cole as a result Cole wasn't really uh, able to get as forward as 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 his fellow fullback. So on that basis, Milner did a good job in in covering Johnson whenever Johnson was marauding forwards. But uh, as I say, I think that 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 Milner c- could form a, a partnership of, of three central midfield players with the current two. And uh, as I say, I push Young out wide and um, and and use the pace on the wings rather than through the middle. Well, me, uh, uh, Oh, Joe, I'm, I'm going I'm to just break in here just because uh, I heard a, uh, a fair bit of, of talk about uh, a certain Mr. Johnson there uh, yesterday. For me, I thought Johnson was very poor. He got caught flat-footed several times, left massive gaps. Um, and I think, you know, if you watched it, any chances that France had was generally on that right wing. They were, they were getting past him. They were playing the ball into the space that he was leaving. And actually, I thought that Johnson was very, very poor yesterday. Uh, Joe, what, what did you think about that? Well, he's, he was poor, but he was being attacked by, supposedly, two of their best players. But uh, Benzema was on the left-hand side, and if he wasn't, then Ribery was there. But, I mean, but, but what did he do? He did whatever, he, he took him inside, right, to where, the, to where they were doing what? Shooting from 30 yards. The, the, it's, no, it's, I think, the, yeah, I think Johnson had, I think Johnson had an okay game, because, as you yeah, say, I he was he up against run. some, I mean, I, I'm not a great fan of the bloke, but as as the game went, but his mistakes were slightly covered up by by Milner covering him uh, when he went forward. But he's not; he isn't the greatest fullback. I mean, we could sit here and talk about you know why isn't Micka Richards playing and so forth, and you know we could argue it till the cows come home. But at the end of the day, because he's sulky. Jo- yeah, jo- well, Johnson's playing, and Johnson is great going forward, and we know that even from watching the Premier League that, that Johnson's strength is not not particularly his defending it's more more his attacking and that's why he needs help whoever plays in front of him has to be prepared to uh cover uh when Johnson goes forward but Mark surely if he's being played as a right back his position has got to be as a defender it's great him going forward he he can be quite exciting he can put in decent balls he can get past players problem is that you know when you've got a defender leaving massive gaps uh, at times when uh, when Milner's an attacking player as well, you you can't have Milner having to cover for Johnson if Milner's going to be going forward. For me, I think Johnson. But just Milner doesn't really hold. do that. That's not Mil- Milner's is more of a holding player, you know. And I think that, that the, 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 the way that the way that you yeah no, but the way that you can counteract like Johnson is good going forward, but you need to have 
um, a player who's going to be responsible and who who is going to um, sort of uh, sweep up behind him and and cover him whenever he goes forward. A really disciplined player, and I think you can, you can get that in in Milner. Whereas you couldn't really rely on Chamberlain to cover Cole, and that's why Cole wasn't really able to get forward as as often as he could. But I also think, as Joe was saying, that Johnson was being attacked by they're better players, shall we say, down his side, like Benzema and Ribéry and uh, Diara and Malouda to a certain extent. Exactly. I mean, the other thing, I just want to go back to that bit that you said about, Mark, about the, about defensive midfield. There is no way in a million years that Gerrard is a defensive midfield player. In, in a million years, Scotty Parker is there for the, for the, for the steal. He, he hasn't got the, the, the huge engine to get up and down like, like Gerrard has. Um, and the other thing as well is that... The, uh, what what um, the, the team are, are being is trying to sort out defence first. It's almost like Palace. What do we do? Scored, get back, and just soak up the pressure. It was literally like watching Palace, yeah, bizarrely, and 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 we just soaks up the pressure. But what what he'll do? I think the more these players don't know because we've got a fair amount of young kids now all playing. We've got all their egos. We've got all their everything coming together I think once they once they have played another game together you'll see a pattern emerge and I think you'll see Gerard's been made captain he's got a little bit of pressure on him he's been told to, to stay back and defend and that's the other thing Tell that goal that, they, that, that France scored was probably as much as I like to say it was probably Gerard's fault because he was flat footed if he'd have been three paces forward he'd have been on that so he'd have been on him before he shot and that's the thing he's not a hugely defensive midfielder and that's where yeah, Parker but, uh, if you see him they were both they were both three four feet away from each other both flat footed and that's the, and that's where Scotty Parker should have he's in he's in the side everyone knows what he's in the side for he's in there to smash him and then but but Gerard does but the Gerard, passing that, uh, as if we go back to like 10 minutes ago and we were first talking about this this uh, particular game I said you know that you can't play two defensive midfield players like we did uh uh, uh, against France when they're playing three three central midfield players and Gerard, as you say is not a defensive midfield player he's an attacking midfield player so he's going to be drifting forward so that's why I was sort of go- alluding to the situation where take Milner out off the wing put Young out wide have Parker uh, Milner in the centre and then Gerard is supporting the midfield but also supporting the attack because he's got the engine so and he's got that forward thinking I mean you'll never get to see Milner or Parker in the positions that Gerard takes up so don't play Gerard in a defensive role play him in an attacking role so I play him as a support player for the out and out striker well, yeah. The other thing as well, you saying about three-five-two. I don't think we can play three-five-two. I don't think we're. I don't think we're. We're tactically aware. So, um, but Chris, sorry, it would help if I unmuted my microphone again, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it would I'm, do. Uh, I'm the professional here. You be quiet now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, guys, it's been a, it's been a fantastic and interesting debate. I've been quite. I've quite liked sitting back. Um, I did occasionally tune out so i got a reason to download the podcast and listen to it myself but there's a couple of little things i wanted uh almost like a little quick q a for you at the end uh before we go and and talk about the um well go and preview the next game obviously you've, you've done a lot of talk about um you know the team selection going into the next match with some interesting suggestions from from yourselves particularly mark's 
uh, comments about a three-man midfield and what have you. But what I w- what I'll be interested to know, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of ask you a question in turn if you like. Although I've only got two questions, so I'm not sure who was gonna what the third one's gonna be yet. Uh, if I, if I start with you, Joe, um, arguably Cahill, Lampard, and Barry would have potentially started that game, shall we say? Um, so is is our performance? you know basically being on the back foot which we were for a lot of it and like you say being a little bit like palace in some ways is it more understandable when you've got three key players out yeah yeah i, I think so i mean listen did, how many people thought we were going to get an idea yesterday i talked to dan mm. dan in sip and he said the only thing i'm frightened of is we get an idea this is the french team that they hadn't lost for 20 you know 21 games they were supposed to be all singing or dancing i think at times we made them look ordinary at times that is all when we played that that one touch pace football directly through the middle which is we made them. We made them look ordinary um, at the back. I thought we. I think we look good. I think we look good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if we've got Kale to come back, how good's that? Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think Kale is better than Terry, and Lescott. I mean, <laughs> what he do? You know, goal weren't his fault. Um, he scored. Yep. He's got to stay. He's got to stay no matter what. Yeah, he looked he look very, very strong. You're right. Okay. Well, that's uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we're moving on from from that little point. Uh, Steve, if I go to you, um, you, you, you and Mark can kind of discuss around this issue for a few minutes if you like. Um, what I was going to say about Oxlade Chamberlain, right now, I'm I'm going to have to really pick my words carefully because it's well, it's it's a difficult one to tiptoe around what I'm going to ask because it actually sounds insane in some ways. But when you look at someone like Oxlade Chamberlain, right, who is I, I kind of equate him, and, and quite rightly, the media have done so as well, of, to Walcott going and not playing in the World Cup before. But at least this time, Chamberlain's started, and yeah, he was a little bit direct. But what I would say, when you look at the way he plays and and what people would say were the positives from his performance, is he really any better than Wolf Zaha? Um, I tell you what, there's uh, there's certainly gonna be. A chance for for Wilf when when Wilf eventually leaves us to go to one of the top four sides, and that's exactly what I imagine is going to happen. I think he's going to have a real chance because I don't see anything that isn't any better than than Wilf currently is. Now, don't get me wrong here. Actually, I think that the uh, the Ox had quite a good game. Actually, mm. I think um, at times he uh, he was very direct, moved incredibly quickly, uh, had quite good vision at times as well with some of his passes. I think he. Um, he showed a little bit of his uh, his inexperience with the uh, the yellow card he picked himself up. It was a ridiculous challenge for him to make there, but I think at the same time, in the entire game, when he was trying to move forward, he was getting uh, he was getting a little cynical tap on the ankle every time. Uh, yeah, Mark, what did you think on that? Well, on the tackling situation or yeah. on Chamberlain's well, game in general. Both. Well, he does remind me a lot of Wilf because. When he gets the ball and he breaks, he gets you off your seat. And that's exactly what Wilf does at Celeste. He gets you off your seat. It could be a sofa or it could be a, your wooden seat at Celeste. But he is he is one. He is an exciting player. He's only 18. He does run, he does run uh, at pace and very directly. Sometimes he doesn't always take the right option. But he is, as we say, only 18. And he is he is that sort of... He's, he can be frustrating and exciting, and it's exactly like Wilf is at Palace, but Wilf has obviously developed, um, and he's probably more developed in a way than, 
than Chamberlain, but obviously Bang playing on, in Paris, yeah. he's not he's he's not going to get um, a place in the team. But I don't think Wilf would do any better or any worse than Chamberlain because I think Wilf in the last twelve months has developed into a much more like rounded player, and he's he's good at breaking. He's got pace, but he does now look up for a pass, and he does make better decisions than he did 12 months ago and I think Chamberlain probably in 12 months will be on a par with Wilf the only reason yeah. Wilf isn't isn't even being considered is because he plays for Palace no, <laughs> you, you're absolutely right and that's, that's the kind and of he, that he does uh, and, and, and that's how I see him and, and when I saw him break with a ball he he kind of made me want to get off my chair and 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 say go on go on you know and you know and he was very direct and that he did remind me about uh, Wilf of 12 months ago who who, who sort of half the time he made the right decisions half the time he didn't this time we have uh, a Wilf star at Palace who is almost the perfect almost the perfect yeah, player this, this is my, my motivation for the question before I, I let you move us on a little bit Steve um the, my motivation for the question is clearly that that uh, I, I basically exactly what you said, Mark Chamberlain. For me, is is not quite as good a, a product as as Wilf. He could, he's going to be a fantastic player as is Wilf, absolutely. But at eighteen years old, he's he is a year behind in my view, and it, I just think it's just you know in a way, it's he's there because he plays for Arsenal and because he got the media hype and the money that was spent on him. But he's not he's not there on ability in some ways. But it is forward thinking. But I think it's a shame to see someone like Wilf, who for me, it, it, however exciting it was to watch Oxlade Chamberlain be direct and run with the ball, for me it's much more exciting to watch, watch Wilf because of the tricks he's got. And I, I just he's more unpredictable, and in some ways probably a bit more frustrating. But I just thought there was an interesting parallel there, and it's it's good to pick up on it. And I, I watched Oxlade Chamberlain with interest. But um, Steve, you want to? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think for me personally, um, I think Wilf is incredibly exciting watching going forward. Like you said as well, incredibly frustrating at times. But I mean, I was, I was just talking uh, a little bit before the uh, b- before this uh, this podcast with, with some guys about the Palace development squad, and I think it's something that perhaps um, Arsenal should should look at teams like Palace about. Um, we've we've managed to take a player like Wilf who had a little bit of trickery, a little bit of excitement. And uh, I managed to turn him into a lot more well-rounded individual. I think when he ends up uh, having another uh, few months with the development squad this summer, we're going to end up seeing a, a Wilf Zaha that will not be able to stay out of the uh, the, the top four teams in the Premiership. Um, Mark's just uh, made a little uh, comment there in the uh, in the private message saying Wilf to Arsenal. And actually, to be honest, I, I could actually really imagine that because... If we're if we're honest, Wenger one one of the things that Wenger has been absolutely brilliant at has been picking up on y- y- young players who. I'm glad you finished that sentence in that way. Well, could have made it a hell of a lot dodgier, Chris. I was I was tempted to, but no. I mean, I think Wilf could go to Arsenal, and I think he could walk into the team. Um, possibly not walk into the team, but he'd certainly be on the uh, the periphery. Yeah. Um, go going back a little bit to uh, to, to the fact that there's European Championships. I don't think that the Ox is there just for the fact that he's an Arsenal player. And obviously, we remember with uh, with Theo Walcott that he got to go to the World Cup literally just because uh, Wenger turned around to Sven Goran Eriksson and said, bring him to the World Cup. Mm. But um, to be honest, I do feel that we are a team moving forward. And I think with, with, with the Ox, then, OK, he hasn't got the tricks of someone like Zaha, right. but he is incredibly direct, incredibly fast. And I think we'll see a lot from him. 
Okay, mate. Well, I'm going to move move us on. I'm just going to mention your repeated use of the Ox as a nickname has infuriated me, and I will now be referring to him as Alexander Oxlade Chamberlain. <laughs> your shortening has made me want to refer to him in full in protest. I can't pronounce his name. That's the <laughs> difference. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, look, we've done. We've talked all about the team selection already for um, for the next game. Uh, I think there's some interesting theories in there. I, I don't see us doing much different, to be honest with you. So, um, what I'm going to do uh, to sort of help preview uh, the game is I'm going to give you some quick information about uh, England versus Sweden head to head, and a little bit about the form. Uh, then we'll have a quick look at their squad um, from our little notes on our document, if you want to head there. Pick out a few of their key players, and then we'll say our goodbyes, all right? So, I mean, the, the first thing is we've not played a huge number of games against Sweden internationally. Um, we've won seven, drawn nine, lost six. So not, not a particularly impressive record. You know, more draws than anything else, but just shading it ahead of them. Um, over, yeah, our last... I well, our last win was actually in our very last game against Sweden, uh, which was on the 15th of November 2011, where we won 1-0. Uh, but then you have to go an awful long way back to see an- another win, which was actually in the 22nd of May 1968, where we won 3-1. Um, so yeah, really quite a strange set of results. We, we went on a very long drawing and losing streak uh, from from '68 to 2011. So not not the best of records. Similar to the way we don't have the best of records against France. But um, so I mean, obviously Sweden's Sweden's first game um, was of course uh, against the Ukraine, which they lost two one. So that forms part of their last five form. Uh, but they warmed up with a 2-1 victory over Serbia. They beat Iceland 3-2. There was an impressive 3-1 win against Croatia, and they also beat the mighty Bahrain 2-0. Um, it's obviously, well, they're not a particularly, you know, you think of Ibrahimovic and then you start to struggle, in, in my view, but perhaps that's a little bit ignorant. So let's let's have a little chat about, uh, about Sweden. So I've picked out Ibrahimovic. Uh, something of a... Um, an eccentric kind of player. Um, let's start with you, Mark. I mean, he's 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 their danger man, really, isn't he? Yeah, it, everything revolves around Zlatan because basically it's he he is um, in my mind anyway very similar to uh, Shevchenko. It's like if 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 he's on fire, then their team is on fire, and you know if Shevchenko's up for it, then the Ukraine are up for it, and the same goes for. Uh, Ibrahimovic and Sweden really if he's not interested then I don't think there's going to be a major problem I think also that Sweden's central defence is pretty weak and um, I think that the pace in the England side should should um, you know really count against Sweden and I, I'm hoping that he sort of maintains the same sort of set up as he does however defensive yeah. and negative some people have said it was I think that Sweden are the ideal people for that that particular eleven to take um, to take them apart. Yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone's kind of familiar with um, uh, with Olaf Melberg from his sort of Villa days, and I thought he looked relatively sort of weak uh, in in the in the previous game. Um, I'm just getting what what the hell's going on with you guys, eh? All giggling in the background, and what, what, what's right? I'm going to hand over to one of you, Joe. You're laughing. What what? No, I wasn't like someone else is laughing. I think me and me and Steve having a, a chat on the. Uh, but no, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, uh, Melberg, I, I thought he, as he am, as I thought he looks all right. Um, 
he's just he's just dependable, isn't he? Um, I mean, I'm not massively up with with what Sweden are doing, only what they what they've done so far, and. I don't think. See, the thing is, we used to have a hang up, didn't we, about all these teams? About we're getting turned over by Denmark, we get turned over by Norway, we get turned over by Sweden. But they, Sweden ain't got Larsen no more. So, mm. it, you know, straight away, one of our one of them players that always used to terrorise us, he's gone. So therefore, you know, we've we've just gone over and we've done Norway. You know, um, we hadn't beaten him. We we this is a new era for football. We're using players. That are all in the all in the Premier League. They're all they're all they're mostly all youngsters. Um, I just I just feel that we, teams are we shouldn't be worried about other teams now. People should be look, looking at us and be thinking, mm. Christ Almighty, they're so unknown. What, what do they do? They look at Chamberlain and go, All right, he's eighteen. We used well, we know he used to play with Southampton or, or, or you know whoever. It, it just they're just kids. No one yeah. knows anything about us. That's the thing. Mm. I suppose that's kind of uh, it's a bit of luck in a way that we've we've ended up in a position where we've had to get a manager quickly because of the indiscretions of the last one, uh, because of the indiscretions of some of the players as well, obviously, and we've ended up in a position where we've had uh, you know a few quick injuries one after the other, where we, we've had, yeah, like you say, got something of an unknown quantity in the squad. Steve, you wanted to chip in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, uh, the the thing is going back. <coughs> Side, it's not like they're completely unknown either. Um, you've got the likes of the two Olsons, you've got um, Martin Olsen who plays for Blackburn, you've got Jonas Olsen who plays for West Brom, and also you've got uh, Sebastian Larson up front, uh, not up front, well, I'm talking about in midfield, plays for uh, Sunderland. All of them are unknown quantities for us, um, and I think with us a lot of it actually is if we keep the likes of uh, Kalstrom and we keep the likes of Larson quiet then we're going to going to stop the supply route for Slatin Ibrahimovic and I think that you know as long as we limit Ibrahimovic then uh, and, and also uh, stop the, uh, the supply going to him then actually we've got a very very good chance of turning them over um, it's probably the, uh, the the first time that you'll hear anybody Say that about a game, uh, an England game with Sweden, uh, any time recently. But as we proved in the last match against them, then you know we're no dummies anymore against Sweden. Mm. We know how to play, and we beat them in the last game. Go with the form guy, then technically that makes us uh, makes us the favourites. I'd say so. Um, Joe, very very quickly, um, and then obviously we'll give Mark a chance to give us his thoughts, and then we'll get some predictions done and get out of it. Yeah, uh, Ibrahimovic. Um... When, when does he do it regularly? He doesn't. I know he scored last night, but I don't think. I think you know he'll have he'll have proper defenders on him, um, and I, I've, I've, I think I think we're going to do him. Um, do you want my do you want my prediction now? Three yeah, nil. what the hell? Three 0 Okay, uh, Mark. Just a couple of thoughts, and then um, and then your prediction afterwards. Yeah, I think uh, the whole of the Swedish nation, the whole you know, it all rests on on. Ibrahimovic and whether he shows up or not he is a tricky player when he's on form uh, whether he turns up or not we shall see um, I think um, they have a couple of tidy players in midfield Kilm Kallström Rasmus Elm from Alkmaar good players but you know we've got equally good players and you know I think um, what Sweden lack and we have that should separate the two teams is pace and uh, and I think that uh, and I think we have a better back four than they do, uh, certainly more mobile back four than they do, and uh, uh, with a little bit more pace. So I think um, if we can attack at pace, 
I think will expose uh, the fact that they are relatively slow at the back. And if we can keep uh, a couple of their midfield players, as I say, Elm and Kalstrom quiet, cut off the supply to Ibrahimovic, I should think that we should win by a couple of goals to nil. Yeah, OK, mate. That's a 2-0 there. Steve, just a prediction, please. Uh, as always, it's going to be 4-1. 4-1. <laughs> <laughs> if I keep oh, at some point, we will win 4-1. I look forward to that day. Um, I mean, I just, I, I, for me, just wanted to point out, I was quite surprised to see Anders Svensson still playing football, let alone in the in the squad there. I think he's only 35. I thought he was a lot older than that. But, um, yeah, some in, interesting stuff. I mean, I fancy us to um, be keeping it pretty tight, and I think it's only going to be a 1-0. I don't, I don't see them scoring. I think Joel's right to point out that Ibrahimovic will struggle against some proper centre-backs. Um, he's, he's one of those players that, if he didn't have the attitude, uh, he'd be twice the player he is. But he does have that attitude. Uh, it's a there, was, uh, there was an interesting thing actually about um sorry to bite in uh, uh, this was um i was listening to the radio today and they were saying well the trouble with england is you can ne- you can never see a second goal coming for england mm. you know you can see this one nil and then and as we sort of described earlier this sort of typical sort of palace setup once we score first where we sort of mm. like defend defend for our lives hanging on for on a one goal lead and and england's under Hodgson, what is it? One nil, one nil, one all. So far, yeah, yeah. so so so, I suppose we have to be careful that um, uh, that either we don't concede first, or they, they you know, yeah. that we we push on. And I think that's that that was one of the things that was mentioned by lots of papers and that, uh, yeah. and by the press was that you know we became a bit negative. And the defence and the midfield were very close together and they were quite far away from the forwards and therefore the supply was sort of cut off to the front men and then we weren't really creating opportunities. And if you look at the stats, they show that, you know, the number of shots on goal we had was pretty small, one or two, yeah. I think, uh, of which one was a goal. So, you know, scoring two goals is, is going to be interesting. So this 4-1 prediction uh, <laughs> is... Um, yeah. uh, I think you'll get good odds for that because, uh, yeah, look, I, you know... All I have to say is, is as, we've, as we've pointed out repeatedly, that the parallels in how we were kind of finishing the season talking about Palace are quite hilarious, really. But Joe <laughs> was begging to have one more thing before we say goodbye. So, Joe, what was it? Right, I'll tell you. Anders Finson in their midfield. Yeah. He's 35 years old. Here's a, here's a question for you. Who would you rather have if he was English? Svensson or Beckham? We'll leave it at that. Beckham, every time. I'm there sorry. you go. There you go. There you go. Why need there? Why need there? Every time. Why need there? Yeah. I don't know. Well, if you, dear Deirdre, should be able to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> on that, on that wonderful suggestion there. Um, we'll pick Helpful. this up. We'll pick this. Yeah, thanks. We'll pick this up on our on our next podcast, which I'm going to, which again I'll say will be no uh, later than the twenty fourth. But the chances are we'll do one uh, at some point between the Sweden game and the Ukraine game, I expect. But uh, just keep your Sunday, apparently. I've just been told Sunday in my ear. Like, 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 oh, Sunday it is. (laughs) So uh, let me finish by thanking you for downloading, first of all. Uh, Thanking my presenters, Mark, Jill and Steve. And I'm going to say goodbye. I'm not going to bother with the synchronised goodbye. So they'll have to get in quick and try and time it right if they want to do it. Goodbye. So bye. Ciao. I mean, yeah. So, Mark, what, what was the most significant thing to, to you that changed that second half? Um, you know, uh, he wanted more. Um, uh, 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 u
I thought that uh, a point, although we got a point in the end, I thought at half time a point would be uh, would be good. Would be good. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! <laughs> Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.